Well, all right, we're going to get started this morning. Uh, most of you may realize Pastor Keith's gone, so uh, I'm going to be filling in for him this morning. If you're new and if you're a guest, uh, I apologize. <laughs> Come back next week. Pastor Keith will be here. So uh, we're going to limp through this thing, okay? So this morning we're going to be looking at something that actually uh, Pastor Keith and I got together before this last uh, series that he did, part, uh, three-part series. If you remember, he started it out uh, speaking of the new covenant and the old covenant, what's passed away and what's become new. He spoke about the law and all that. Today we're going to be kind of uh, closing that out. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of the biblical parts uh, uh, along with numbers and other things that help prove uh, that Jesus is that one. Uh, the things that was put together uh, and, and for him, by him, in order for us to usher ourselves into a new era. It's a new covenant. Uh, the old covenant uh, was with the blood of animals. The new covenant is with the blood of Christ. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at the difference between the two and the purposes of the changing and all that. We're going to be looking at, uh, we're going to be using a lot of the, the flood of Noah uh, that is part of that. The ark is even a model and type of Christ. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of that this morning. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the reversed covenant, the old covenant, how that the curse has been reversed uh, through Christ. And uh, Jeremiah 31, 31, Hebrews 8, 8, 8 and 13, and Hebrews 12, 24 is some of the scriptures we're going to look at this morning that helps point toward that. Uh, so Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. That was an Old Testament prophecy of the new covenant. It was pointing toward Christ. And uh, the uniqueness of this, and we're going to look at some of that this morning, is that it spoke of the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Uh, both of those are... Uh, of course, the Jews, uh, the, the nation of Israel. Uh, but there is a distinction, distinction between the two. Uh, the house of Israel speaks of the Jewish population in general. The house of Judah is the, is the line of the kings uh, of, of Israel. So, because from the house of Judah come forth the kings. So, we're going we're gonna to look at why that's important this morning. Uh, later on at the end of it, <clears throat> why it was prophesied this way. Hebrews, now 8.8, 8, all it is is a, is a, uh, a witness to the, New, the Old Testament prophecy, and this was just witnessing to that verse, quoting from it. Uh, it says, finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So what was happening there was Paul was backing up the Old Testament scriptures and prophets of what was happening in that time and era uh, with Paul being the New Testament. But see, Paul in, in uh, 
those folks at that time was living, they actually, their lifespan was within the old and the new. And a lot of them was having a hard time coping with that. And it would make sense. We, we can't beat these fellas up so bad. It would make sense if it was in your lifetime and it all changed. Now, here's this guy. Who is this guy that changes everything? And there had to be a... a a witness to that, and Paul was trying to let everybody know that Jesus is that man. They were living in a unique time and era uh, of the changeover, and they were having a, so a lot of the New Testament scriptures, when you read them, what they were, they were letters sent to the churches, and it was helping them to cope and understand with the new covenant and the new church age, if you will, uh, uh, for the beginning if you will, of the New Testament. So now, um, verse 13, it says, In that he saith the new covenant, he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. This is right after uh, the verses in between is when it talked about that God said that he will, that in the new covenant, he will, he will write the the law on a heart and put it in our mind. What's he speaking of? He's speaking of the the Holy Spirit living within us. And that's how it ain't just on paper. It isn't just in the scriptures. Now it's in the in the heart and the mind of mankind through the Holy Spirit. And Paul was trying to get that understood to the people of the age, if that makes any sense, I hope. Uh, the, the last one there, uh, 20, uh, 12, 24, it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better than that of Abel. So what is he telling us there? He's telling us that there's a new covenant. There's a new blood sacrifice that has been made. See, Abel, if you go back to the Cain and Abel story, you'll see how Cain offered up the fruits of the ground. Abel offered up the blood sacrifice. Cain's was rejected. Abel's was accepted, right? And the reason why, because, because Abel presented the perfect sacrifice through the blood of animals. And that was the sacrifice for sin. When they gave up of the fruits of the ground or the parts that they prospered, that was a part of an offering. And that Cain wasn't really doing anything wrong in that. It was the timing of it. It was a timing for them to do a blood sacrifice for sin. And then Cain was trying to do his for sin, and that doesn't count. You see what I'm saying? And then that's why Cain's was, was rejected and Abel's was accepted. But Paul is telling us here through the book of Hebrews, he's telling us that there is a better offering now given. There's a better sacrifice. It is that the blood of animals is the blood of Christ, right? So we're going to look at that this morning. So let's look. Uh, in the beginning, creation was perfect. Why? We got a perfect God. You see, God couldn't create anything that wasn't perfect. And what I'm hoping to make sense with you this morning, I don't know if I ever made it make sense this morning, the earlier service or not, but I have had practice. So now I'm going to try to get a little bit better with you. Uh, but what I was trying to get across, and I hope it comes across to you, is that there had to be a reversal of the curse, and that's what we're living in, because 
what was made perfect has then been cursed. And then in order to have heaven, we got to go back to the perfect. So there's a reversals here. And we're going to look at some of that this morning. But God had to create a perfect earth, a perfect universe, and a perfect mankind. Adam and Eve was made perfect. But through their will, their self-will, they brought in sin. And now we've been born into sin. And therefore, there has to be a reversal of it. And Christ is our reversal, and we're going to look at that. We're going to look at some biblical truths this morning. I'm going to go a little deep with some stuff, and I, most of y'all know me. I'm going to go deep with some of this stuff. I got to. Why? God's a deep God. Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's God's glory to conceal this stuff we're going to talk about. It's the treasure of men and kings to seek it out. There is a lot of glory hidden in the scriptures. And it's our treasure, folks, to seek it out. And we're going to look at some of it this morning. So what happened? Sin entered in and cursed this perfect, genera- this perfect creation. So now there's been a curse through sin. And when Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they did? God told them that their eyes would be opened, and it was, was it not? They realized they had sinned. So what did they do? What was the first thing mankind did? Tried to cover themselves. That's the first religion in the Bible. Jesus was the most anti-religious person on earth. It ain't religion, folks. It's the truth. Religion ain't got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with the truth. Who do you know? Right? So their first religion was they covered themselves. What did they cover themselves with? More fig leaves, right? Knowing my luck, if it had been me, it would have had poison ivy on it. God knows better than that, right? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is when that curse, God pronounces the curses. In verse 21, let's look at it, uh, that the fall of man through sin in verse 21 is the beginning of the Old Testament, Genesis 3:21. It says, "Until Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them." Now, did God give them coats of skins because they were more durable than fig leaves? I don't think so. I don't think God would regard himself in silly little things like that. The whole idea of this and these scriptures is trying to teach us that it was through the offerings and through the blood sacrifice of the animals was sin covered. And it was only covered. We need to, we need to, we need to grasp this morning the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. And we're going to look at it a little bit deeper here in a few moments, but I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. The old covenant, the Old Testament, was coverings of bloods of animals. 
only during that, that, that perfect uh, blood sacrifices was it accepted, right? And it was covered. The difference with the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ doesn't cover us. It cleanses us. And there's a difference, right? And we're going to look at that. So now, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 6 through 8. This is a, the scriptures of the flood of Noah. And we're going to look at how this relates to what we're talking about with this reversals. Because you see, up until the flood of Noah, the earth had not received its curse. The, everything was cursed in the garden, right? Whenever Adam and Eve sinned, God pronounces the curses on man, on woman, on earth, on the universe. All these things was cursed. But the earth didn't receive its curse until after the flood. You see, before the flood, everything was perfect. There wasn't no rain. There wasn't no jet stream. There wasn't no hurricanes and tornadoes and lightnings and all that. None of that existed until that time. In fact, if you go and look at Hebrews chapter 11 and the faith chapter, it talks about Noah and his faith, and it said that Noah was faithful in things not yet seen. What was things not yet seen? Rain. God told him it was going to rain, and it was going to flood the earth. It had never done none of that. Noah had to react in faith. It all has to do with grace and faith, and we're going to look at grace in a moment. It all has to do with faith because Noah had to have faith in what God said. You know why? Because he built this silly-looking thing called the ark. To them it was. He worked on it for 120 years, and it ain't rained yet. And people would come by and look at that thing. He had this thing out there on the driveway, and everybody looking at it, and they're thinking, what in the world are you doing now? That's a crazy fella right there. Don't go over to Noah fella. That man has lost it. What's he building? He's building a big old boat. Why? For when it rains. What's rain? Y'all see what I'm getting at? That man has that lost took it. faith, did it not? For 120 years to do that? Why? For when it rains. What's rain? It all has to do with faith. That took faith, now, did it not? For 120 let's look at that. We're going to look at the blueprint of the ark. Genesis 6, 14 through 16 is that blueprint. Let's look at the verses. It says, Make ye an ark of gopher wood, and rooms that shall be in the ark. Thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, remember that, because we're going to look at that in a few moments, what pitch is. It was the waterproofing. It was the covering, if you will, on the ark. But most of, most of the times after all that covering was on the outside, not the inside. It covered inside and outside, and that's for a reason. But most of the times after all and this is the fashion of a child shall make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. And the window thou shalt make to the ark, and it is a cubit shall be finished it above, and the door of the ark shall be set in the side of it, with lower second and third story shalt thou make it. Now, these are all measurements. It doesn't look like a boat, if you will, and it doesn't look like the ark 
that you see in a lot of Sunday school idioms, it all has, it looks like a big barge, is what it looks like. It's 300 cubits long. All these, all these measurements that you see are multiples of five. Noah, Noah, all these was the first one that found. The first time grace is mentioned in the Bible, it is mentioned with Noah. Noah's the one that found grace with God. Not just he said it was he was also found righteous. It wasn't just it was it wasn't just righteous and. Uh, it said it was perfect in his generations. It wasn't just that he was righteous to keep up with the offerings and all that. It's that he was the one that didn't have a marred inheritance that the devil was trying to put on mankind. If you go back and read it, that's what it was. The devil was, was uh, the sons of God, that was the demons, was crossing with women, and, they, and the devil was trying to mess up or mar the inheritance that was spoken of back in Genesis 3 and 4. Now let me lead you up to what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when Cain and Abel, we just talked about that, right? Abel was the perfect sacrifice that was accepted. Cain's was rejected. The devil talked Cain into killing Abel. Why? Because if you go back before verse 21, you're going to see in verse 15, that's the first hint of the virgin birth. It says, the, hurt, the curse was put on, he said, talking to the devil, he said, I put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. And the, and the devil and Eve and Adam, all three, they didn't get that. They didn't understand. It wasn't paying attention to the words that God was speaking. Because he said, I'll put enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman. And when Abel, and when after Abel died, the next son she had was, she named him Seth. And if you go and look at chapter 4, you're going to see that she said, I'll name him Seth because Seth means appointed. And said he was the one appointed to take Abel's place. And the enmity between thy seed and the seed of the woman, the devil thought was between his, this, this is the guy we call the Antichrist, by the way, and then the seed of the woman. So the devil had tried to kill all the offspring all the way through. But what he didn't get was, what everybody didn't get, was that that was the first hint of the virgin birth. Why? Because the seeds of the man, not of the woman, that's a contradiction in biology. There ain't but one person that can contradict biology, and that's God. And God himself provided the sacrifice. Y'all get what it said? He provided himself. And you see that in Genesis chapter 22 through chapter 24, if you really get to understanding that part with Abraham and Isaac. That all has to do with it. It's all tied in together. So now, what happened? The devil been trying to kill all the offsprings, right? You get down to Jeremiah chapter 22. You see that God put a blood curse on the royal line. Remember we just read about the house of Israel and the house of Judah? Judah is that royal line. Well, you find out in Jeremiah chapter 22, God puts a blood curse on the royal line. From that time forward, you never see the devil anymore trying to mess with the royal line. Because the devil thinks God done shot himself in the foot. 
right? You're going to bring in this guy. I've been killing them all the way up, and now you done cursed your own curse. The devil thought, I, I, I imagine, Chuck Mister put it this way. He said he imagined there was, there was a party in the councils of Satan. That they probably thought a party. They thought they won. They missed it. Right? Let me tell you how they missed it. If you go and look at the genealogies, and we're going to look at, we're going to look at something in a few moments, as some, as, as some differences within the, the Gospels. And when you see some of these differences in the Gospels, some people try to say, think that they're contradictions of, of the Scripture. They're not contradictions. They're there for a reason and for a purpose, and they're uniquely designed for a purpose. <clears throat> when you look at Matthew's genealogy of Jesus, it shows it through the royal line. When it gets to David, it goes right down through Solomon, right all the way down through the royal line. And it comes all the way up to Joseph, which was Jesus's earthly father, which adopted him. Okay? So you think, well, Jesus now has, has received the inheritance back to the throne of David. Why is that important? Well, when Gabriel gave the announcement to Mary that you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Jesus. He's going to be the son of God. And he's going to reign on the throne of David forever. Did Gabriel mean that? Did God mean it? You better bet he meant it. So, so God, Jesus has still got in the future, he's going to reign on the throne of David. I'm just going to let that cat out of the bag. We ain't got time to go over it this morning. But you can go ahead and put it in your memory bank. We're all going to be involved with it. And he's going to reign on a perfect earth because John said he saw a new heaven and a new earth and a new holy city called Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Our eternity, our heaven is not going to be sitting upon some cloud with some angel feeding you grapes. That's wrong, folks. We're going to be on another new earth, a new heaven and a new earth, back to the original type, that perfect earth if you will. You see what I'm saying? That's his reversals. We're talking about all this reversals here. So now, yeah, I'm running out of time. Let me go on. The word that the Holy Spirit used for pitch, we talked about the pitch earlier. It's not the normal Hebrew word of zedeth. Instead, he chose the word of kephar, and that means atonement or covering. It was like a, a covering, an atonement. You got the Day of Atonement. It's where the, the, the sacrifices, it was covered for the whole nation. That's what this is, is speaking of. Because in Moses' days, the word become the root for the word of, of Kippurah, which means mercy seat. The mercy seat is very important. The mercy seat was what was put on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Not the Noah's Ark, but the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a pure hammered gold that was put on top of it. We still got that to happen in the future. I did a study on the, on the mercy seat one time. I spent six months on the mercy seat. That was probably one of the most unique, interesting topics I've ever studied in my life. If you ever get a chance to study the mercy seat, folks, that's neat. That's still yet to come. We will still yet be part of that also. Because in the Old Testament, in the old time, when they had the tabernacles, 
and the temples, and they had the Ark of the Covenant sitting there. The mercy seat was what the blood was sprinkled, sprinkled on, uh, uh, on and before it on the Day of Atonement, one time a year when the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies to receive instructions for the nation for the rest of the year, for the next coming year. And then God spoke to him from above and beyond the mercy seat. That's just a, and I'm, I'm just going to let this cat out of the bag, and we, you can look at it later if you want to, but I'm telling you what's going to happen is that the mercy seat is going to be given back to him. In fact, if you go study Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch, and he's writing and he's reading, and he don't know where this is coming from, and Philip had to be set out of a revival to go tell him what was going on. Why was this Ethiopian eunuch even over there studying uh, over for the Passover to start with? Why was he even looking at at the scriptures. Uh, there's a whole lot involved with that, folks. A whole lot involved. I ain't got time to go over it this morning. If I did, we'd be here at 2 o'clock. Y'all want to be here at 2 o'clock? Y'all got chicken to eat, so we're going to go on. So anyway, that mercy seat is still yet to come, and it's still yet to be presented before him, and we will be part of that. Okay? That is part of the new covenant when he reigns on the throne of David. That would be his seat, if you will, because it all has to do with grace, mercy, and faith. Y'all with me? All right. Before I run out of time, let's look on. Covered versus cleansed. We talked about covering and cleansing earlier, right? The Old Testament was a covering of, of the blood of animals. Cleansing is by the blood of Christ. So before Jesus shed his blood, uh, sin could only be covered by the offering with the correct blood sacrifices. This is why the Holy Spirit could only rest on individuals, and he had to come and go. Uh, in the Old Testament scripture, you see how the Holy Spirit came and went on folks, right? But now in the New Covenant, we have a better deal, right? Uh, God cannot abide with sin. Y'all with me? He created the perfect earth, right? He created the perfect man. Man entered into sin. God put the curse on sin just as he promised he would. But he also gave us a way out of it by reversing that curse. Y'all see what I'm saying? So God could not abide with sin. So how can God abide with us and we're full of sin? There was a covering with the blood animals, which was just a, a, a setup of the old covenant that pointed to Christ. And then Christ fulfilled the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a prophecy that points toward Christ. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Because it's all about Him. Y'all with me? So, but because of Jesus, we got a better deal. And that's why Paul was trying to teach them back in that time, said, you know, they all were still trying to live the old covenant. He said, you don't have to live the old covenant. We got a better deal, folks. It blowed Paul's mind. And you could tell it through his scriptures and his writings, the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. He was trying to tell them, you've got a better deal. The reason why we have New Testament scriptures is because Paul had to write letters to these churches trying to straighten these folks up, saying, quit doing that mess. 
and live for Christ. That's the whole idea of them letters when you read them. So, He can now reside in us and never, never leave. His blood cleanses us from the inside so the, so the Holy Spirit never has to leave with us 24-7. We got a better deal, did we not? All right, let's look at something. Let's look at some more scripture. Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. This is a verse that's inserted in there that just goes over most people's heads. But when you start digging into it and start, and start looking at the, the uniqueness of the scriptures, then it starts pointing to Christ and showing the awesomeness, I think. And I hope that's what y'all get out of it this morning. That God went through extremes, and is, is, it, is he in depth? You better bet he is. Every verse, every word is there by design, by the Holy Spirit, through God, or by God, through the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? It says, And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. Ararat means curse reversed. Or the reversal of the curse. And the ark rested on the 17th day of the seventh month on the reverse of the curse. In other words, that ark was a type and model. If you look at it with the window all the way across the top with only one door, there's only one way in, one way out, God opens the door, God shuts the door. And you better get used to it. That ark is all a model and type of Christ. And then when it landed, it landed on a mountain that said, curse reversed. That's a reversal of the curse because now it's a new beginning. But yet the earth is receiving its curse. And it still has to be reversed, which will be later. That's why when I wrote my 100-page thesis, I wrote it on God's plan of redemption, past, present, and future. The past is the blood of animals. That's already been, that, that's over with. That redemption's done. Now we have the present redemption. Mankind still going through redemption. Through what? The blood of Christ, not the blood of animals. Amen. We still got future redemption and that part is the part with the earth being redeemed. And we have a new heaven and a new earth. You see what I'm saying? I hope you do. If you don't, go study it. Um, Said the 17th day on the seventh month. If you go to Exodus chapter 12. God, I'm about to run out of time. Go to Exodus chapter 12. You're going to find out that that was the very first Passover. Y'all remember the very first Passover? That was the part that led the people of Israel out of Egypt. That was the last curse. That was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. Well, God gave him instruction. He said, I want you to make this month the beginning of months. So now the, first, the seventh month has become the first month. He said, on the 10th day of this month, you are to take a male lamb of the first year without blemish, and you keep it for four days and make sure it has no spots or blemishes. You keep it with you. They kept it in their homes. They carried it with them everywhere they went. They babied this little lamb. 
right? And then he said, on the 14th day of that month, at twilight, in the evening, you are to kill that lamb. And you're to take the blood of that lamb and put it over the doorpost of your homes or of your houses. He said, and at midnight, the, the, then you was, have to, had to, also had to eat the lamb. You had to eat all of it. That's also a model and type of Christ. Christ is our, blood, is, our, is our lamb, right? He's the lamb of God. He's also the lion of the tribe of Judah also, right? We're going to talk about that in a moment. I hope I have time. But he's, also, he's, that, he's that lamb, and you have to remember, what, what do we do when we have, when we have communion? He said, eat of me, eat of my body. This is my body. It's bread indeed. It's a model and type. You had to eat it all. And you had to put that blood. And that was on the 14th day that you did that. Now, this time has been changed. And if you go and look at the, at, the, at the feast, you have the feast of Passover. Jesus presented himself. If you go to Luke chapter 19, you're going to see that Jesus presented himself as that lamb. He presented himself as the Messiah. And that was on the 10th day of the month. And I ain't got time to go through all that. Stephen's already fixing to come up here, so I ain't got time to go through that. But it was the 10th day of the month. These folks was, was telling him, you know, behold uh, uh, the king of Israel. And he was, they were praising him, laying their clothes and the palm branches out in front of him, praising him as king. Y'all remember that? Four days later, the same folks was hollering crucifying. Four days later. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came and went. And the Holy Spirit come completely off of the earth on that 14th day. Why? Because God had to go about it alone. He did it on his own. He presented himself. He was crucified as that lamb on the 14th day. When did he, when did he rise again? That Sunday morning, right? Actually, it was late Saturday night, which becomes Sunday morning. Three days and three nights. The Bible said, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Three days from 14th is what? 17th. Jesus arose on the anniversary of the new beginning under the model and type of who he is. He arose to the new beginning on that anniversary, on that day, the Feast of First Fruits. He was coming out of the grave while the high priests were waving. What were they waving? The first fruits, right? How do you praise God? Waving first fruits. Y'all with me? Let's go to the next one. What the law could not do, Jesus did on a cross. On some wood. On a hill that he created. And there he wrote a love letter written in blood. And it's called the New Covenant. And you know what the good thing about it is? There's nothing a man or devil can do about it. Nothing they can do. The number 17 means victory. Jesus is our victory. And he did it all to the model 
to the dates, to the times. He presented himself on the 10th. He was crucified on Passover. He's our Passover lamb crucified on Passover. He was in the body, he was in the grave during the time of the feast of the unleavened bread. What does unleavened mean? It's not puffed up. Leaven is a part of sin. He was in the part where his sinless, him, he being sinless, was in the grave during the feast of unleavened bread. The day after the, the weekly Sabbath, after the beginning of the feast of unleavened bread, is the feast of first fruits. It's always on a Sunday morning. And he was the first fruits of the resurrection. He was resurrected on first fruits. On the 17th, during the time that God said he would. Is he the man? Amen. Bible says he is. Dates says he is. Holy Spirit says he is. I say he is. Who do you say he is? Therefore, that is our victory. We got a number 17, right? That is our victory that is made new forever through Jesus Christ. Let me read you some scriptures right quick. I want you to see something. You know, I told you about the differences sometimes. It looks different in the Gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all represent something different. Matthew represents the line the, God, the head, it's in heaven. It's got a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. All four, and all four corners looking all four ways. So that no matter where you're at, you see all four. Matthew is the lion. Mark is the ox. Luke is the man. John is the eagle. And in Mark's account of Jesus on the cross... He's the ox. Mark 15, 34 says, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani? Which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew's account, Matthew 27, 46, it says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, one says it with Eloi, and the other says it with Eli. Lama, lama sabachthani, it doesn't matter if it's Aramaic or, or Hebrew, that means the same thing. Why hast thou forsaken me? But the difference is, is when he cried out, my God, my God. You see, the house of Israel represents the Jewish nation in, in, in general and anyone that has accepted Jesus as their Savior. That's the house of Israel. Y'all with me? He spoke it in Aramaic. Eli is, is Aramaic for my God, my God. So not only is it the curse reversed through Aaron, which is Aramaic, which is Aramaic, but Jesus spoke the very language of the reverse of the curse. But yet, when he did 
in Matthew's account, it said, Eli, Eli, that's Hebrew for my God. So what did it do? It covered it all. So which one did people hear? Which one did he speak? I'm going to say, God, he spoke them both. It depends on your ear which one you heard. That way all can hear what Jesus done on that cross. And he did it for all, forever and ever. And ain't nothing you can do about it. And ain't nothing no devil can do about it. So I got news from my devil. My big brother's going to kick his tail one day. And I'm going to be there to watch it. You know, I always told folks, I can't whoop nobody. I ain't never been able to whoop nobody. I'm fight, fighting's not my part. I got love on everybody, right? But I always said, if I need somebody whooped, I got enough money in my pocket to get you whooped. So I ain't going to do no whooping, because I can't. I can't whoop no devil. But I got enough treasure right here that can get him whooped. Y'all with me? Who do you know this morning? Who do you know? Who do you have? You got somebody can whoop that devil? Because you can't do it. Y'all with me? And I have run way out of time. Tell you what, dude. Stand up. Shake one another's hand. Tell them who you got. And you are dismissed.